I think it's rude that this is a site about a thing about body image, and first thing I have to do is accept cookies. <laughs> oh, you got cookies. Yeah. Oh, the co- oh the oh you 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 make a joke. I made a joke. <laughs> you, I made. You make a joke. I made a joke. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Queer and Dumb. I am Tom Volamis. I'm dumb. I'm Jamie McDonald, and I'm queer. And with us today, we have a very special guest. Our uh, first ever guest. Yes. Whippee! I'm Timo Tähkänen. Well, I'm queer, and I don't <laughs> know why I need to say that I'm fat also. Because maybe it's something what we're going to talk about. Body but, image. Body image, yes. LGBTQIA plus body image. You have a thing called a Pink uh, Gym. Hey, Timo, the Pink Gym, is it... Uh, an exhibition? Is it a gym? Is it uh, an art installation? What is Pink Gym? Well, it's an exhibition. Exhibition, yeah. Art in- installation also. So, If one looks at Pink Gym, what does one see? It looks like a yoga, yoga studio. Okay, Actually, yoga studio. Yes. Okay, so hang on. I'm going to enjoy this. So... <laughs> What's like the the visual vibe? Like, how do you make it into yoga studio? Well, there's lots of uh, pink yoga mats and blocks and nice and, blocks and massage balls <laughs> and so on. Have you got like the candles and the soft music or? No, there's no candles mm-hmm. actually. I'm I'm reading the Pink Gym exhibition is based on the questions: What kind of bodies are welcome in the gyms? Is it okay to be loved and accepted as you are in the gym? What is the ideal body and what are the means to achieve it? So you uh, said that you are overweight. Are you accepted at a gym? I guess I, I'm not accepted. How do you f- notice that people don't accept you at a gym? No one says to me that I'm not accepted, but when I listen what kind of things other people talk about it, so you hear people saying that, uh, oh, thank oh my God, God, I'm not fat. Yes, not like that, but they like staring their own bodies and their poor, perfect bodies. And there's like no fat, but still there. Oh, I have this ugly <laughs> sausages around my belly <laughs> <laughs> oh, or, or something. Yeah, it's a funny place, the gym, because um, I'm also few pounds over the springboard of the scale kind of Dear thing. Dear God, I'm a, I'm a, Jamie. a husky gentleman, <laughs> shall we say. I'm on my way to bear. Am Def- I the only thin one here? I think so. I think so. It's very, it's I'm becoming, not particularly thin. It's becoming ab-fabulous all of a sudden. <laughs> I have been a gym rat much of my life. I have done my little slightly beefcake face. Like the gym is a funny place because uh, you're supposed to go there because you want to improve yourself and you're supposed to want to improve yourself just in the way that you want to be healthy and to live longer and to be, you know, more capable to do things. But in the back of your mind, there's like your aunt who grew up only ever eating a cigarette for breakfast and <laughs> <laughs> and who would always comment on like everybody's weight, her own weight and your weight and a stranger's weight and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like, uh, you're supposed to be enlightened while you're there and to be very kind to yourself and be taking care of yourself, but you're also kind of hating yourself at the same time. So I love the gym. I think it's, it's a, a weird place. It sounds like <laughs> Catholic uh, guilt, like a penance exercise. Oh People go there to lay themselves bare in front of God and apologize for eating ham. I feel like <laughs> this is the, honestly, you saying that, I'm not <laughs> shitting you. This is the first time I think I maybe understand Catholicism. <laughs> 
Timo, you have this uh, exhibition. We're going to talk about uh, body image and everything. But first, a couple more things. Do you mind if uh, mommy and daddy have a fight? Or daddy which, and daddy have a which, fight? Which, which one's mommy? However? I would be the mummy. Uh, we had a lunch a couple of days ago. Yeah. And it was good lunch. Don't, don't get me wrong. The right. mashed, mashed potatoes, excellent. Right. You said something that depressed me a lot. Oh, no. Just an offhand comment. Well, we had a producer friend there, and we we're talking about how to uh, promote podcasts and whatever. And then at one point you said, if you do a podcast in English in Finland, it almost has to be about Finland. Yeah. So that felt super bad because it felt like uh, only Anglos have diverse thought. That if you do a podcast in English in Albania or Nepal or whatever, it can't be about physics or car or fashion. It always has to be this uh, almost like Orientalism, like mm. this uh, exotic mystique. Uh, uh, welcome, uh, Western traveler, to uh, northern Finland. We have a sauna. It is uh, cold. Uh, uh, also the weather, not just the people. <laughs> Your Finnish accent's kind of Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Is that so, that only the Anglos can make actual podcasts about, like, topics and everyone else just has to be like, this is uh, Nepal, so exotic? I see your reading of that, okay, and I think it's very based. The idea that what I am implying is that if you're not from the Anglosphere, you're not interesting. It's kind of in the way that people will say that watching women's soccer or football is like a charity case. It's football, but it's not as interesting as the real football. But what I kind of mean is that because if you're not living in the Anglosphere, you don't know so many people in the Anglosphere, it's harder for your work to gain traction among the Anglosphere. And then why would you do your podcast in English except to have people who speak English listen to it? Except that there are tons and tons of people who listen to English language as a second language. Because it's the lingua franca. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, that yeah, would be the yeah, reason. So there, there the reason that. I'm not doing this podcast in Finnish, uh, or two reasons, uh, your Finnish sounds kind of wonky. <laughs> Yeah, Another one is that bad. I want people to listen to this in yeah. Nepal or Latvia or wherever. If an audience out there sees us two guys in Finland talking about something, I feel like they're inclined to go, well, that can't be any good. Unless we're talking about Finland, at which point they go, well, these people know what they're talking about. That's it's so, so depressing. depressing. It is extreme. Like, we have physics as well. I know, but welcome <laughs> to, like, Anglo privilege. Okay. Uh, so let's uh, bring Timo back in. Timo, are you or have you been on Grinder? No. Why? Don't you don't like sex or? I have you been on Grinder? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, you should try. <laughs> I was single twenty years ago. I don't know why I should be there. Have you you been in a partnership for twenty years? Yes. <gasps> or actually nineteen. Oh so my. not not twenty. Yeah, but that's but, amazing. Yes. What is your secret to a long-lasting I'm, I'm, I'm just so good-looking and... <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Understanding and yes. kind. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. What do you know about Grindr? Like, my friends talk about Tinder all the time, like my straight friends. Not so much, because m- most of my friends are girls. Ah, so Grindr is not that relevant use, for... Yes, yeah. yes. I wonder if that's also why you're in a relationship for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Like if you run with the boys, it's a lot of drama. Yes, yeah. <laughs> 
I have downloaded Grinder a few times, and then I will search for it, and I will see somebody, or I will get you know whatever the noise is that Grinder makes, and then I will freak out and delete it, the whole app immediately. And I've done that maybe four times. The reason I'm talking about it, this is the second time we're talking about it on our show. The first time we were talking about how on Grinder half the people are there for reasons not just sex but also other stuff. So it's being used for gay networking and job opportunities and just finding friends or whatever, which the CEO of Grindr promotes. He says that it's a good thing. Like, just come on Grindr and network and whatever. And it's the opposite of Tinder. Like, the CEO of Tinder doesn't want to be people to be there for reasons other than hookups. So this was the last time. But this we, we time, should be promoting this podcast on Grindr. Yes, we should. And you should be promoting your artwork on Grindr. Yes, that's true. But I never heard that someone looking at job in Half, half the people are on Grinder for reasons not just sex. Maybe if they, maybe if they need an erotic massage or something like that. No, no, but you know, people are just chatting and saying, "I've got these skills. I'm looking for a job." And you know, like because the queer community is very often, they will help each other out. Okay, I, I have to join there. Yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> Try to make it to 20 years of relationship. <laughs> I hope I didn't destroy it by introducing you to Grinder. I mean, if you've seen Grinder, if, if you're happy in your relationship, Grinder yeah. is no threat. <laughs> okay, that's good to hear. So that was the reason we spoke about it last time. The reason we're to- talking about it this time is uh, a new uh, study in the United Kingdom that says that of all the dating apps, Grinder is the most used among people 54 years and older. What is this? Do people grow up to be gay or what's going on? Like you had a theory, Jamie. One theory really is that if you're over the age of 54 and you're still doing what we would call dating, and if you're over the age of 54 and comfortable enough with dating to use an app, because I think there's an age thing there that like 54 is starting to get to that point where you would rather not use an app for this kind of thing. You would just rather go to some kind of singles night or meet somebody through a friend. But I think if you're over 54, you're horny enough to use an app. (laughs) (laughs) An older gay male and let's say you haven't married or anyway you're not in monogamous relationship, that's the demographic that's still going to be going out and looking for somebody to spend time with. Don't the older straights fuck? I think a lot of them are kind of done. You never get done. You just get started. <laughs> I don't know, man. I that's what like... I've heard, that in the old people's homes. What? Yeah. Oh, no. No, you don't want to think about grandma I... or whatever. But No, it... let's not be ageist. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just surprised because like, I never thought of old persons. Have you seen old people? They lose inhibitions. That's true, actually. When they get, so the old people <laughs> must be a mess. I'm actually also a practical nurse. I'm working with others. So uh, well, tell us the scoop. Maybe there's no scoop, but yes, they also need sex or want yeah. or, or think about. Never goes away. It's quite human. Yes, it's quite human. I will freely retract the idea that they are so-called done, but I do think that they're less likely to go for an app. Also in the study is that uh, even though Tinder uh, on average is the most popular app, people don't spend a lot of time there. The Tinder users spend less than an hour a day. Right. But uh, on Grindr, people spend a lot of times. It's not uncommon for people to be on there like seven hours. That does not surprise me knowing, I don't know if you have any friends 
you, you were saying like not many of your friends are on Grinder, but from what I know about Grinder users, they just go there to hang out and see what's up, and they check it kind of all the time. Like it's Twitter or... A little bit, yeah. yeah. And, and we just said that they go on there to do stuff other than have sex. So there is the networking and the chatting. Timo, you said that you your friends are uh, women. Are they yes, uh, like, Are they straight women or...? Yes, but well, I don't know. You don't know, yeah, yeah. But I think so. Like if you're a gay guy with female, like lots of female friends, do they ask you about men? Go, this man said this to me, what does it mean? Well, maybe not anymore. Because they have noticed that I'm not a typical man. <laughs> <laughs> so they've noticed you're a limited resource. Yes, I'm limited. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they were unhappy with the quality of the <laughs> advice. Yes. <laughs> so they stopped using for you for that purpose. But that is a trope. That is a definite, the gay best friend that you get asked for all kinds of, you're the emotional support yes. guy. Yes. I'm a straight man, but often I don't understand them because I don't feel that masculine. So when they talk about like rah, 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 masculine stuff, I'm, I don't know what they're they're on about. So maybe if you have a bit of the same that uh, you don't fully feel like you would understand the basic straight mind male. Yes, that's true. Not good for advice. And if you are in the gym or in the gym sauna, there are these conversations that you can't understand. I'm afraid if I open my mouth, they realize that I'm not the straight or even a man because I'm non-binary. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's quite difficult. So you're non-binary, uh, you're gay, you're in the sauna and the guys are talking and you're just wondering what on earth Well, that makes me feel a little bit better because I'm also in there going like, it's not like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Kind of feel a little bit like a sheep dressed up like a wolf in there going like, yeah, yeah, I I can hang here. I mean, the easiest way to get through those situations is just to go like, you know what, I'm minding my own business. And I feel like that's the most masculine thing you can do in the gym is just to be like fine with your own space and your own presence. I have this thing that sometimes I zone out. Like I'm talking with someone and I zone out. And then they ask me something, which I notice from the fact that their voice is going up. And when this has happened, I'm sorry if this is like heteronormative, but when this has happened sometimes with a woman, yeah. I'm talking to a female friend, I've noticed there's one thing I can say that hides the fact that I wasn't listening. Uh-huh. And it's that, uh, okay, but how did you experience the situation? <laughs> And it's always worked. <laughs> it's always worked. I never gotten caught that I wasn't listening. Yeah, and that's also pretty good because most likely they will repeat something about what they just said. Yes. Yeah. They're like, oh, now I'm bored. Uh, I was wondering if there's something like that you could say to a guy, a heteronormative uh, guy. If you haven't listening to them and then the voice goes up. Uh, what would you say? Like, I also like the Formula One racing. I mean, the idea that they would be talking to me in the first place is they must be just asking me to get more water for the sauna or something. Hey, uh, LGBTQIA plus body image. Where do we start? Let's start with your exhibition. Is the exhibition like pictures of you or pictures of people or oh, just tell us about the pink gym? Yes, it's based on performances for the camera. I'm in the pictures. So I'm try to study my experiences in the gym. And it started when I meet like 20 times last winter. In, uh, my personal trainer yep. was a starting point to that exhibition. First thing I do, I wrote a love letter to him. To but your personal trainer? To, yes. A love letter. Uh, what did your partner of 19 years 
Think about this. It's your job, so. I guess he don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, the and also opening is on, on Friday, so. <laughs> also, I feel like that was an insanely heterosexual question. Like the idea that like your partner would mind about this at all is just like what, 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 why, what? You, you can what? just write love letters. Yeah. Yes. Why? Why wouldn't you? It's just a normal expression of. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. That was the one question that can be like feel love. So is oh. it always so serious thing or something we can we have to hide? So does the sort of love you would feel towards your personal trainer, would someone confuse it with like monogamous uh, erotic love? Yes, yes. But there are different things. There are different things. So you wrote a love letter to your personal trainer. Thank him because he was quite great. But is he also hot? Yes, it's also hot. <laughs> okay, does so, that does that like factor so, into the love letter? Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't but without it? Without my husband, yeah. I I would try something, but I guess he's straight, so. Because I've also yeah, Timo, I, you're the most honest person I've ever. Because I've also <laughs> like had a personal trainer who's smoking. You know, they're leaning over you with where you're trying to lift the heaviest thing you've ever lifted in your life, and they're being all encouraging, and you're just. It is so difficult to not fall in love with your trainer. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Okay. That was nice to hear. <laughs> because the, this sounds like Beverly Hills uh, housewives kind of <laughs> stuff. But it's, it's it's just the emotional thing that's happening in that moment and the weird yeah. kind of caretaking is super masculine and super caretaking. It's a lot of emotional labor and then they're hot and it's mm. physical. And it's in public because it's really a public space and you know there's other people around. It means that you're not kind of in that pressure of the private like if it was just you two in a smoky room then it would be very pressurized but the fact that it's out there with you know in a public space is a little bit lighter i feel like it's inevitable that you fall in love with your personal trainer a little bit and it was so important in my case that he accepted me and my gender and my body and i have heard that that it's not always like that Mm -hmm. so that's why i wanted to wrote he this thank you or love letter so so some uh, personal trainers, if you tell them that like I'm non-binary, that they'll have a problem with it. You've heard of? Yes, I have heard something like that because well, it's not so easy to trust uh, some new people. It's not always so obvious. There could be like small things if you use gender language or something like. It's not always like so aggressive. Yeah. You maybe don't say that. Uh, oh, okay. I hate non-binary people. I can't oh, working no. with you. But yeah. the, oh, the small just be so like, Yeah, yeah. You want to get like you want to get those nice arms to impress the ladies. Yes, that yes, kind of yes, thing. Yes, that's kind. Yes. And you're like, oh. yeah, and in that moment, you're like, I don't trust this person anymore. Yes. There's a secret between us. Yes. That now your trainer doesn't know, and you need to be honest about it in order to clear the air, but then that's, it's a pressure moment. And I, I hate that too. I yes. hate that when yes. it, the thing is I always tell the trainers that I'm trans because I don't want them to assume, I want them to know that if my physique is a little different seeming to them, there's a reason for it. How do they take it? Oh. Oh. And I can see in the back of their heads that they're going like, I guess I'll do some research. But they're <laughs> like, they, they're not necessarily, they don't know. They're I gotta gonna, play some time before I. They're gonna get to le- they're gonna yeah. learn from me, and yeah. they know it. 
but they're also sometimes stoked. Hey, I get to work on a body that started taking testosterone later in life. I get to see what the effects are because a lot of them are really nerdy about fitness too. So they can see, sort of look at you like a guinea pig. What happens if I make them do this? <laughs> There's all kinds of uh, nerds in different areas. Sports people can be nerds. Oh my God. Like yeah. baseball fans, they'll throw statistics at you. Mm. And uh, I've heard that bodybuilders can be just completely. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. I mean, is this? Are you not kind of aware of? No, because I'm the Dungeons and Dragons kind of nerd myself. There is an equal amount of nerdiness in bodybuilding and in D and D. I honestly think it's about the same level because the amount of numbers, the amount of categorizations and huge walls of text on Reddit. You had a personal trainer who accepted you and you were grateful for that and wrote the love letter. Uh, how did the trainer feel? He was just a polite or maybe he doesn't understand what it means to make an exhibition and artworks and so on. I guess it's not so hooting it's not, for him. It's not his world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So how do you go from this to doing the thing? Like what's the origin story of your Pink Gym exhibition? Well, what did you want to show people? When I keep working with the idea, I started to think how I feel in the gym, exploring my experiences in the gym and what I feel when I'm there, like quite new surrounding. It's related to my uh, doctoral uh, thesis. Your PhD thesis. P- yes. Yeah. What do you want to prove or show or study? Why are you filming yourself? Why are you taking pictures of yourself? I guess I want to share my experiences in uh, what it means to be in a queer, non-binary person. How I feel when I'm in the gym. There's no answers. There's only new questions. Well, what questions do you wish to pose with this exhibition? What kind of bodies are accepted in the gym or like in sport, wherever you wanted to do? And also these questions about love. Is it okay to feel love in the, these kind of surroundings? Toward the personal trainer or? Yes, for example. Yeah, for, okay. <laughs> or towards yourself. Or towards yes. yourself, yeah. Yes, yes. Loving oneself, how does one get there? I think I'm like halfway. <laughs> you like yourself? Is yeah. that what that is? Yeah, I, You've I, met yourself. I've met myself. <laughs> I, I like myself a fair bit. Yeah. Uh, not not 100%, uh-huh. but uh, getting there. How's your, uh, Jamie, how's your uh, body acceptance? How oh. do you feel about your... Oh, it's terrible. It's a, it's, it's a, life, it's a lifelong thing. What do uh, you mean, what? You look good. You go to the gym, you work out... I look like a potato. This comedians did a roast where I was supposed to be one of uh, the roast people, but then I got a corporate gig, so I couldn't go there. So I just told them, like, oh, I have to do this corporate for, like, uh, $1,200. I can't make it, which is not something you should tell the people who are going to do a roast. Yeah, like, what were you thinking? So they replaced me with a potato. <laughs> the actual potato. I'm sorry, but you deserve that. <laughs> they put like one of the chairs with just a potato, <laughs> and then they roasted the potato. Everyone called the potato uh, Tommy Valamies. Yeah. And I later on I heard some of the roast jokes. One of them told me, "You've never looked this good." <laughs> uh, how do I say it? I'm not in the absolute best possible shape, but you don't. Your body image is not. Uh, It's not very great, but it's been like that since I can remember. So it's more like that's like a permanent situation that I kind of live with. And it goes up and down depending on various factors. When you started getting the testosterone, did did, uh, it get better? A lot changed when I started taking testosterone because, for example, 
when I was a girl, I was basically a little too tall, a little too fat, a little too muscular, all these things or whatever. So I never had what I would have thought of as a an acceptable girl body. Yeah. Even though now, again, I look, I look at photographs way in the past. Anybody who looks at photographs of themselves when they're like 17 or 18, you're like, the fuck, kid? You had nothing to worry about. You yeah. are a complete completely normal ass kid but the level of shaming was very high in general from uh, other people not yourself yeah, yeah well from other people and then from yourself so you internalize that or one internalizes that or i internalize that with testosterone first off i started feeling just a little better because i was doing something for myself and i genuinely think testosterone makes me feel better but after a while when i started to get red as clearly masculine in the streets I also started to notice that people gave less of a shit about my body, way less of a shit about my body. That, that Seriously? Oh, yeah. You know, if I was the same weight and I was red as female, I was overweight and unattractive, the same weight as a guy. And I was just like, that's a guy who doesn't mind a hamburger. So women are more shamed for? I think so. I think that the range that I don't want to say the guys don't have a lot of body pressure because I believe now that I'm on you know this side of where you are read in society, I think absolutely men are really subject to heavy body norms. But I think the range that you can be that's acceptable for a woman is a little tighter and a little harder to achieve. Most of my life I've been a fat nerd and the shaming took the form of like violence. So I'd get beat up as a kid. Uh-huh. Or even as a teen, or at least once in the army, I would just get a, like physical violence towards me. You didn't get beat up as a girl. Not that I remember. Like someone's like, "Oh, you're fat," and then they just hit you in the face. Nothing quite like that. It was it was a lot more verbal, yeah. and the occasional physical prank, mostly verbal ostracization. Uh, Timo, what is your experience with your body like throughout uh, childhood and uh, teenage years and uh, when you discovered you're gay and uh, when you discovered your body? Like, what's your story with your body? I guess I started to think about my body when I was a teenager. So when I was started to really realizing that I'm gay or, yeah. or something like that, I'm not so, is it a good term for me anymore but <laughs> because if I have no gender so I can't be like yeah I gave some extra pounds when I was teenage so I started to notice that gay men are so their body are so fit and I started thinking oh I'm not like that and oh. then I have this eating disorder when I was 18 years old but now I guess now my body image is quite good when I'm home alone <laughs> <laughs> with my husband. But the problem is... Uh, when you leave I, the door. Yes, how my body is related to society and ah. how, how maybe society reacts on yeah. my body. Yeah. That's the problem. Not I like love, quite love myself, but... So when you're at home, you're you're with the husband, you're, everything's good, yes. you don't think about your body, you're accepted. But then when you leave the house, uh, how does society react to your body? Or do you get looks or? We were in the gay bar a year ago with my husband. Yeah. And some strange gay men come into our table and ask me that how it feel to be such an odd person. Odd person? Odd, yes. Or what? weird. What? And, and, what? <laughs> and then he asked for my husband that, that how can you be with that weird non-binary person so... What? How did it feel? And 
then he asked me that you can't be non-binary because you are old and fat. And that's why I <laughs> call myself fat when we start. Amazing. You can't be non-binary because you're old and, and fat. fat. Yes. That's the dumbest. Like what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to also imagine that gay bars are largely populated by people who are carrying massive amounts of trauma. And some of them, it's a hobby to take that trauma and dump it onto somebody else in an aggressive way so they feel marginally better for five minutes. Yeah, it's stupid. It's stupid. And then somehow these people want to, they wonder why they haven't settled down with somebody and like found somebody nice. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Bitch, you ever looked in the mirror? What, what is this, uh, not non-binary, but like this genderless? Yeah. Uh, um, What's the difference between non-binary and genderless? I don't know. Would you say like agender or like equivalent like sukupolaton? Androgynous. Androgynous. Yeah, yeah, androgynous is different. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe someone thinks that non-binary person is like young person with a body that it's not like it's beautiful body and it's not related to men or women. Or yeah. So it's not uh, it's androgynous. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like you, yeah, you can be believably non-binary if you look and dress like David Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and because this came man as asked to me that you can also be non-binary because you looks like a man who dress up like you have odd clothes or something. <laughs> I think it's great to be in a gay bar <laughs> yes. and have somebody go like, "Oh, your clothes look odd." Like, yes. okay, Mister Cookie Cutter. <laughs> like, thanks for your thanks for your conformist little attitude. Uh, you can take it back to. I don't know, San Francisco or whatever. But then you want. some other other men say to me that I'm so brave because I look like this. Aww. Jamie oh, has that said that nice? that's the worst. Isn't it? Yeah, it is the worst. Yes, it's it's, the, it's like what <laughs> And I have almost the same clothes that I have now. I have like T shirts and well overalls. But <laughs> yeah, but it's denim, it's good. Yes. Yeah. You look like a Super Mario on a summer vacation. <laughs> yes, you do. That's great. Yes. That's the second wardrobe of Super Mario. Yes. Yeah. I'm not showing off my queer very much today at all. I'm much more dadcore. We have to do a fashion episode, but yeah. about body image. With Jamie, it helped a bit when you started taking testosterone. Not for the reasons that I thought it was going to. And with uh, Timo, is it tied to uh, sexuality? Like when you realized you're gay and you started uh, looking like what gay, other gay people look like? Yes. That had an effect. Yes. So your body image, you don't care what like straight people look like. It's tied to sort of uh, like what should a gay person. Well, I don't care anymore like how the gay men look. So like. that's so past that yes, phase. Yes, that's yeah. past. Yes. Yeah. Tell me, do you do you know Attitude magazine? No. Well, what's the Attitude? It's certainly one of the most popular, specifically gay magazines. So for gay men, and there's I will check it out. There's always gay man on the cover of Attitude magazine. And every single time, it's basically Beefy Twink, who looks uh, like... Twink. Beefcake is straight language, but what's uh, Twink? A Twink is... I'm trying to think. Oh, Ture Boelius. Yes, uh, for the Finnish uh, gay uh, influencer Ture yes. Boelius. Yeah, YouTuber. Yes, that's an example. Or, or young, good-looking, thin, almost teenagery. Yeah, almost boyish. Yes. So Attitude magazine would have 
uh, that kind of person in the cover. No, more like Twink growing up and being about 28, 29, yeah. maybe 25, and heavily muscled. Yes. So n- not necessarily as as muscled as Beefcake, but a muscled guy, amazing shape, never anything different on the cover of Attitude magazine. And you could look at like years and years and years and years and years of them, and almost all of them are also white. If you look at a lot of other countries where you say, say if I'm going to Italy yeah, and I want to see like, where's a gay bar? Or if I want to find a site that says, you know, where's, where can I hang out as a gay person in this country? In the Nordics, all the imagery will be of all kinds of different people who happen to be queer, LGBTQIA+, etc. In places like Italy, it'll still be cookie cutter beef, beefcake men in Speedos. These beefy twinks being representatives of the gay community is sort of like if the straight community was represented by the cast of Baywatch. Exactly. We have Baywatch and Baywatch and Baywatch and Baywatch. And there's a weird split even in the queer or even like the gay community where some people are so relieved that we're no longer all represented by a hairless, muscled, speedo guy. Which, okay, hairless, muscled, speedo guys need love too. So I'm not dunking on them. (laughs) I'm just saying we don't all want to be represented by them. Yeah. And then there's people who want to continue with that as the image because they love that image. They idolize the image. They fear the image. They're disgusted by the image. They hate themselves because of the image. They've invested so much of themselves in that image. That like a renaissance painter uh, admiring the human form and uh, wanting to draw it as beautiful as possible, sort of. Maybe in that as well, but it's more even the, the straight gym bros who are so invested in looking a certain way that they get mad if you look fat. Because they're like, you shouldn't look that way. It's like, well, fuck you. I can look however I want. Timo, do people get mad at you for not being like super fit? Has that happened? Not really. They are mad because because I'm queer. <laughs> <laughs> is it is that the worst part? Maybe for other people. I guess if you like, if you are brave enough, <laughs> live your life like you want. So sometimes people get mad. I've heard all these insults that I didn't know are insult. Love is love. If you want to uh, call someone uh, banal, you just tell them love is love. And uh, another one is you're so brave. Yeah. So telling someone you're so brave. And uh, I noticed this on Instagram, something that I found really funny but wouldn't have understand otherwise, was this uh, person just wrote that uh, she goes up to uh, straight people, straight couples, and says, love is love and uh, you're so brave. <laughs> and I laughed so hard because now I know that those are insults. Yeah. I don't know if they're insulting. They're they just time wasters. They show <laughs> that, okay, thank you for telling me that you have feelings about the way that I live my life and that those feelings somehow are now my problem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, uh, let's look at some statistics. Mental Health uh, Foundation has done uh, a study about body image and uh, LGBT community. And there are several findings. One is uh, heterosexual men have been found to report higher levels of body appreciation than gay and bisexual men. I know that we don't all look Baywatch. Mm. But if I was gay and I'd just been reading Attitude, that was the only thing that's ever in the cover that might have an effect on me. And then there was um, transgender people. 
Transgender people may experience distress due to the incongruity between their biological sex and gender identity. This can affect their body image, and research suggests that levels of body dissatisfaction in transgender people tend to be higher before undergoing gender confirmation treatments. How do you feel? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. Is that obvious? Yes. If people want to go through those treatments and then they go through the treatments, generally they're much happier. They do work really quite well. Although it's also interesting the way that it's worded, incongruity between your biological sex and your gender. Most of the time I was distressed by society. So it wasn't inner. No, I don't think it's nearly as internal as external for me. Some research suggests that lesbian women have a similar level of concern around their body image as heterosexual women. So there's no difference. You said, especially in university, you hung out with quite a few lesbians. I knew a few. Did you notice the same, that there's not much difference between their... I think I felt at that point that we were kind of all on the same page. So I didn't notice that they were especially more or less relaxed about it. I wonder how come there's no difference. Does society treat lesbian and straight women the same or? Can't really speak to it, but I kind of going to guess that the way that anybody who is seen as a girl grow up as a girl in a society, even if you're a tomboy, you grow up with the pressure of having to look and conform to a certain standard. And I think that that gets internalized really, really quickly. I'm going to guess, but I feel like people who grow up as boys, they have a different set of pressures that are not necessarily all based on their physicality. It can be about their strength, but I think it also has a lot to do with leadership and understanding one's position socially. I think they're under more pressure to be able to do certain things, but I don't think they're under as much pressure to look a particular way. Boys and men are judged by their actions and accomplishments. Girls and women are judged by what they are. That's the short. I would say so. I'm guessing that, though. Basic gender theory, and you can mm-hmm. see it in movies. The woman is the price. The man does something. Yeah. Uh, the man has an accomplishment, goes through a journey, and then the prize is the woman. <laughs> Fairly typical, like a hero's yeah, yeah, hero's journey. And there's the Bechdel test. Does this movie have a scene where two female characters who have a name talk to each other about something other than a man? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of movies that don't pass it. Yeah, definitely. I watched the YouTube clip that had all the original Star Wars trilogy dialogue, things said by a woman who is not Leia. And it was a minute and a half. Oh, no. It was a minute and a half. This is just movie theory. About the terms, uh, Timo, what is non-binary? It depends how you feel. So I can speak only on my perspective. How do you find non-binary? Yes, I don't relate. I'm maybe something in on the middle. I'm not a man, I'm not a woman, but I'm also a gender fluid. So some days I feel more like a man, but not oh, <laughs> not really. So, so it's, it's not physical thing, it's how you feel. Yes, because it's not saying what it's like between yeah. <laughs> in my legs yeah, yeah. or something like that. There's a desire to um, legitimately occupy another space. Oh. If that makes sense. Like a lot of people assume that I'm, they assume that I'm binary trans, which the very thought of that just terrifies me and confuses me. I identify as non-binary, but not loudly because I don't feel like it's the most pertinent part about 
my gender that people need to know about. But doesn't testosterone make you feel masculine? Sure. Is that male? Mm. Is masculinity male? Just keep talking. Eventually, we'll get somewhere. I <laughs> like really because yeah, I don't know. I don't know. the The whole point is that there's a. I never actually succeeded in feeling like a woman, and I would say I'm kind of prevented from feeling like a man. I do know this kind of third space very well. The space where it's neither, and it can be a bit of both, and it can be kind of messing around, and it has. A little bit more freedom, a little bit less conformity, and a little bit less punishment. But at the same time, it's so private that I don't really talk about it so much. And I'm much more comfortable walking around using he pronouns, partially, if I'm totally honest, partially because the pain in the ass that it would be to get people to use they, them with me all the time is too much. Too much work, too much hassle, too much, too much pain. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I have noticed yeah. that when I try to came out of closet yeah. as a non-binary. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure you're non-binary? Yes, that that's a question. And and after that's that, so brave. My, after that, so many people have calling me a man. They never used such a language uh-huh. before, but after I came out of the closet, they are using <laughs> like oh big man or boy. Or they use these. Gendered language. So I don't. It's it's something odd reaction. So <laughs> you you tell people that you're non-binary. Yes. And then they fight it by starting to call you a man. Yes. Yes. Why would they fight it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand. I wonder if, to some extent, you might be noticing it more because that's, it's because you've asked for no, it not yes. to be there, right? So that I mean, that can be happening, but also people are weird. Yes, people are. Quite weird. Yeah. People are off the fucking wall. <laughs> uh, Jamie, yeah. you never fully felt as a woman. Yeah. After that, you said you've been prevented from fully feeling like a man. Yeah, yeah. What prevents? This is just my my own thing, but I've not having, not kind of growing up native in it. I'm always an immigrant to masculinity. It's a place where I can get the passport, quite literally, but it's not my home country. And I'm always going to feel a little bit out of place. You said that since you were two and a half years old, you wouldn't wear a skirt. Yeah. If you say you're an immigrant to masculinity, you've been at the border for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've yeah. been applying for I, a long time. Yes, I basically, yes, I've been an asylum seeker into masculinity for a million years. It's two and a half yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it kind of thing where I, for me, and I, we don't have the science on this or the social science on it, so it, there's no one way to describe it. Uh, I think little kids who are trans or non-binary, I think they really do often know and I don't necessarily think it's always a question of their relationship with their own body. I think it's often a question of how people treat them and how they would like to be treated, where they would like to be in the world and in society. People keep treating them like a girl and they I, I want to be over here. Then they say I'm one of these. It's not like I wanted to play with toy trucks. But if playing with toy trucks means that I get treated the way I want to be treated, I'll play with toy trucks. If you do a masculine action, then people treat you the way you want to be treated. I think so. Then we get into all kinds of weirdness. How do you know what you feel about this? And how do you know? All... We don't really know. Timo, you said that you're gender fluid. So some yes. days you'll feel more akin to a woman and some days you'll feel more akin to a man. Is that the 
gender fluid. Yes. Is there any system, like something that affects it? In what life stage you might, on most days, feel more like a woman? Or is it just completely random or what affects it? I guess it's completely random. Okay. It can also change during the day. It's a question if I feel myself comfort. Do I feel like I'm safe? Do I feel good? If I'm in the gym, sometimes it's okay. I'm like man there, so everything goes well. But the day when I'm not so, I'm not feeling myself like a man, so it's then it's more difficult. To go to the gym? Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. That's kind awesome. of funny. I would think that a gym is a place for both men and women. But because I do track, I can all. Sometimes I think if I have to wear like this uh, black suit, 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 yeah. I feel like I'm a track king there, so I can play a man. I yeah, I feel that very deeply. I was in drag for many formal occasions during my childhood. Yeah. It literally felt like drag. When I do drag, I actually feel more like myself then. But when I play a man, I guess it's more drag. But is that is but <laughs> is that because when you're in drag as a woman, then it's you making the decisions and you making the choices and not simply something being put on you that you, nobody has specifically said you must wear this yes. but in fact everybody has said you must wear this yes that's true is it kind of like similar in the pink gym that you know making this space and creating this kind of environment i think often when we go to the gym you know we can say that we're not feeling ourselves that day or we're just not in the mood to kind of give it all or don't feel sexy or fun but there's also the question of the environment and it's like how can a gym environment create the fluidity the possibility for fluidity and the possibility for freedom but i assume that's kind of what you're exploring in yes, this yes. what what are you doing in the films i like this big in picture. the videos yeah in the pictures i took a role of a man yeah yes. i guess it's one of my alter ego so <laughs> man alter ego <laughs> or something yeah. so <laughs> Yeah. Are you lifting weights? Are you doing yoga? Are you? I eat like cinnamon rolls or bananas or <laughs> oh, I love it. or showing my muscles. Nice. And so like self-expression. Yes. I'll read it. Tähkänen poses in front of the camera to explore their experiences. So use uh, the pronomen they. Yes. The moment of description is research, and it also generates material for analysis afterwards. The exhibition functions as a space for sharing experiences, where the aesthetic and ethical information provided by the installation is left for the visitor to evaluate and interpret uh, through their own experiences. Tähkänen feels that making art produces more questions than answers. Yeah, you said that it's about the questions. Yes. Because now when I do this research, first I think, oh, I have to have these answers because... No, no, there's no answers. There's only more questions. Yeah, that's the nice part about doing research yeah. is that you can just be like, well, uh, I, I don't know anything. But then <laughs> but then it turns out there's a lot I don't know now. Yes. yes. I know exactly how much I don't know <laughs> yes. right now. And that's uh, apparently that's expertise. <laughs> yeah. Expertise is that uh, you know all the things that you don't know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so before we get to our last segment, let's take a bit of a sidetrack. Queer body image, is it affected nationally or internationally by an artist called Tom of Finland? <laughs> One of our uh, artists who are more known around the world, especially in the gay scene. And uh, you, Tom of Finland made these hyper-muscular uh, men who seem to have just extremely large Everything. Uh, Every, <laughs> a, absolutely everything about them yeah. was extremely large. Did this have any effect uh, in the queer scene on how people 
see themselves or am I thinking of a single Finnish person as uh, more important than they are? I don't actually know. I'm not sure. Is is it so huge effect? I'm not feel like that. It's not a big thing it's not to you, the works of Tom of Finland. Yes. But I think that's kind of also like a generational yes. thing. At least when I've read about Doko Laksanen's work, the artist behind Tom of Finland, there's two really weird contexts that come together with Laksanen, which is one is that the image of the gay man before that was still seen as this passive, effeminate, homosexual man. Weak, womanly. Girly. Girly. Yes. Thoko Loxanen's work radically changed the idea that what a gay man would necessarily look like because he made these men extremely gay and extremely buff and strong and super mask. Absolutely hypermasculine. That did a like lot a cartoon to cartoon. Yeah, yeah, and that did a lot to change the perception of what homosexuality could be. And the other thing that's kind of funky is that I guess he grew up already fetishizing leather, boots and stuff like that, coming from the workers. And then he was in the war, and in the war you had a lot of fetishization, the classic gay male fetishization comes from wartime. Finland was a Nazi ally, and uh, he we saw the Nazis because we were fighting with them in, in certain fields. Yeah. And they were well-dressed. I can't remember now what the name is of the... Hugo Boss. Not Hugo Boss, the designer, but Ernst Röhm. Ernst Röhm, yeah. So when Goebbels had the SS under Hitler, there was an organization before that, the pre-SS organization that was run by Ernst Röhm, who was a homosexual, and basically like right next to Hitler... Wasn't he killed time. in the yes. Long Knives? Yes, he was. The Night of the Long Knives was... Yes, uh, he was murdered. But before then, he had worked to create with... I don't know if exactly if it was Hitler Youth or Hitler Jugend or whatever, but they had this extreme body culture, very homosocial body culture, and it was seen as very good to be with your male friends and to be out in nature and working out and doing push-ups, basically trying to become these very beautiful, buff, masculine bodies. And you don't have to be gay. You can just do it with your male well, It was very homosocial. Yeah. And it had undertones of homosexuality to the point where like the papers were running cartoons where this was kind of an underlying message that Hitler's right-hand man was running this sort of gay club. Yeah, it was kind of there in plain sight. That kind of body culture has then gone into also Tom of Finland work. But Toko Laksanen is very adamant about his images not being fascist images. Okay, so it can be said that uh, Toko Laksanen was a part of the shift in seeing uh, gay men as uh, like a weak uh, to seeing them as like bodybuilders. Right. But then the irony is that when you get to Attitude magazine, like it is body fascism. Okay. Uh, what have I forgot to ask about LGBTQIA plus uh, body image? We focused a lot on cis gay men. Yes. Now I'm just thinking about what a lot of them look like, and it's nice. So, I mean, you know, I like cis gay men. I think they often look extremely hot. So I guess I can just fantasize for a moment. I don't know that much about what body image is outside of that experience. Timo, uh, what should I ask? I just think about that soon I have this perfect body because yesterday I was in the gym and I did 10 quads. Ten squats. Yes. Ten squats. Mm-hmm. And today my body is, it's very painful to walk and even sit right, right <laughs> Oh, that's now. nice. That's the good uh, stuff. Oh, I love that. So I just want to say that I'm keep going. And <laughs> so when there's uh, a Finnish Baywatch. Yes. You will be. Yeah, call me. Yeah. Call me. How do you feel about the kind of double desire to become perfect and the desire to not have to worry about perfection ever? Well, that's a very good question and very difficult to answer that. But maybe it it would be so much easier to like fit in this society. Mm-hmm. 
I guess. It's not about how I look, but I want to be accepted. You want to be accepted uh, as yourself. Yes. Because uh, Jamie was saying that you played with uh, toy trucks because uh, then you would get the sort of attention that a person playing with toy trucks would get. So the playing with toy trucks was almost like an object to get you to where you are. Yeah, I think this was all very subconscious, but... Do you do behaviors that just to get accepted, even though you wouldn't be that interested in them, Timo? Well, I started to think that should I, <laughs> should I do something like that, that, that I would be accepted. I'm not yet there. <laughs> yeah. I have played Barbies and do whatever I want, but now I started to think that was it good idea? Because sometimes I I don't feel so good, so. It would be better if I like change myself somehow. It's sort of easier to change yes. just yourself rather than everybody else. Yes, yes. But on the other hand, I don't know. I think these projects where somebody starts out with a fairly radical idea of how we could look at things differently. I really like these projects, and I think a lot of them are just waiting for somebody to start them. And they would pick up. I honestly think if somebody had the money to make a queer gym in Helsinki, you would have people who go there. And I mean, or like a pink gym or a place where this level of body freedom is actively designed for. There's already gyms just for women and uh, they cost more. Yeah. And the people who go there say that uh, they're happy to pay more. Mm-hmm. It might be the same. Yeah, for some people. Yeah, I remember because I used to go. I could go to women's gyms. Went to a few of them. I, I hated them so much. I never felt more judged in my life. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this I want to hear. Well, it's just girl on girl judgment, you know. Because for me, the the level of acceptance, the the punishment always came from, or most often came from women who were trying to make me more like them. What? Yeah. Why would they make you more like... Because if I'm too different, then it makes them look bad or it makes them feel bad. I don't know. It's too Why cu- do people care? Because it's the panopticon kind of punishment thing, the Foucault idea that we internalize the rules of society and then we keep each other in line. Oh, everyone watches each other. Yeah. Like in a panopticon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that's our panopticon episode. <laughs> hey, uh, let's do an upsetero. Like you, Timo, you listen to a couple of our episodes. We often choose an upsetero who is a hetero. Actually, this one might not be a hetero, but let's assume that they're a hetero. A hetero who is ludicrously upset about the LGBTQIA plus people. And uh, our upsetero is some guy's dad. <laughs> this is a classic credit thing from Ask Men Advice. There's a thing on Reddit where you can ask men advice. And it goes like this. Is it gay for a man to tell another man a good morning. <laughs> Have you seen okay. this? Is it gay yeah. for a man to tell another man good morning? I am a 23-year-old male. My dad and I were out at the laundromat, and as we were leaving, another man walks in. I make eye contact with him, and I say, good morning. He replies, you all fellas all right? When we walked out, my father tells me, don't ever say good morning to a man around your age. Guys would think you're a little sweet. You understand me. Next time say what's up or what's going on. To a woman it's fine, but not a man. When you're out on the streets, don't say that. End of quotation marks. I don't understand this at all. 
When is it ever gay or wrong for a man to say good morning to another man? I say good morning to everyone, male and female, at work all of the time and have no issues. I don't think I did anything wrong. I think my dad is being absurd. Is it gay for a man to tell another man good morning? Timo. I have to say that I have never <laughs> think about this. <laughs> but I use the word good morning, so... Hyvää huomenta. Hyvää huomenta. Maybe that's why they know I'm gay. That could be the instantly tracking. Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they think you're a little sweet. Yes. <laughs> I like I like the way he put his dad put that. <laughs> but I have noticed in the tomb because I also studying how they how they like how the other how men. I know. How they. Oh, see, this is so part of the problem. Is we don't feel like we're in <laughs> yeah. with. The, we are with them. Yes. We are there in the same space, and for some reason, like I'm an alien. I'm yeah. an alien. <laughs> So they <laughs> greet each other like, hey, bro, or what's up, or something like that. Not good morning. So maybe there's something true. Okay, first off, dad and son are at the laundromat, yeah, which is women's work. Oh, that's true. This so, isn't heteronormative enough. Yeah, so this is already, you know, we're already fruity here. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like... Actually, if I'm thinking about it, yeah, you say good morning to somebody at the office because you're in a zone of the office. That's totally fine. Do I say good morning to another guy in like a barbershop or some other kind of public? I don't know if I would say good morning. I don't know if I would. I think it might be gay to say good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Dad might have had a point. <laughs> I'm reading the comments, and these are excellent. My favorite does uh, say good morning to your dad. <laughs> See how he reacts. I'd never, ever thought about this. I say I say good morning to people. I've never thought about this. It might be a bit of a tired trope to assume that someone who acts homophobic is themselves gay. But I do get the feeling that the dad might be slightly curious. Yeah, because he's a little worried about this. He's a little worried about this. He wants to be seen as not at all effeminate. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing where if you know every last detail of those things, then it means you spent a lot of time thinking about it. I think the dad should just get it over with. Tried once. If it's not his thing, it's not his thing. Go networking on Grindr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He should uh, go to Grindr to look for job opportunities. (laughs) And then... While he's already there. Yeah. So here's a question, though. If it's okay to say, for a man to say to a woman, good morning, because that's a level of politeness and a level of formality. And I think included in that is that we are different. I am not a threat to you. I am being respectful of you. And in the office, of course, you say good morning. And in maybe in the house, you say good morning out of familiarity. But if you think about the same thing about us saying, like, we're aliens in the gym, is it kind of outing yourself as I'm not like you? You know what I mean? Because if I go, hey, what's up, bro? Then it's like, we're the same. Yeah. I'm acknowledging that we're the same. But if I say good morning, then it's kind <laughs> of like, good morning, you different person. Yes. Oh. you like the way I say, what's up, bro? That, that was good. Yeah. Jamie, you'd, you'd make an excellent cisgendered frat bro. I know. I have to work quite hard to put him away. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, thank you. Thank you, Timo. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope you had thank fun. You. Our first ever guest. Yeah, we start with the best. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Hey, oh, what? what if people want to go see Timo's exhibition? So where can people see this uh, Pink Gym art exhibition is in the Muu Helsinki 
Contemporary Art Center Cable Factory, Talberin Katu 1C. And uh, go check it out. Just Google Pink Gym. That's where you'll see Timo. Thank you, Timo Tähkinen. Thank you. And good luck. Good luck with your exhibition. Thank you. This has been Queers and Dumb. Nice. Yes.